7 in our summer series on prayer. Each week we've asked a different question to begin the sermon. Uh, Frankly, we don't have time to uh, give you the previous six questions. Uh, Hopefully next Sunday we'll give you the previous seven questions. But I'm just going to move right in to today's question. Could a big reason why we don't see more powerful answers to our prayers is because we're just kind of, when we pray, doing our religious motion, saying the right sort of things. And there's really no connection with Jesus. There's no vital relationship with Jesus when we're actually praying. Instead, if we're not careful, please understand, our prayers can degrade into just cold, sterile routine. Our prayers can just be cold, sterile routine, and there's no power, there's no vitality, there's no connection to Jesus and His Spirit as we're praying. If we're not careful, it happens. We're not uh, making Jesus in us the top priority when we go to him to pray. Today we're going to see a father whose son literally had a grenade explode in his life. Since he was young, it says, this son has uh, totally been uh, just consumed by something that we're going to look at, and it's interesting what the son got consumed with. And this father was committed to doing whatever it took to see healing and wholeness and freedom and kind of a normal, vital, enjoyable life become a part of his son's experience. Because that wasn't happening. And uh, we're going to say it's really interesting to watch this father doing whatever it takes. I'm going to do whatever it takes to see my son get healing and wholeness. Uh, Take your phones or your Bibles. Locate with me Mark chapter 9. The 12 disciples are involved. Uh, We've got a father. We've got a son and Jesus front and center. I think this is a lesson that we all need to know and understand and apply to our prayer lives. Please stand with me if you're able. Mark chapter 9. We'll start with verse 14. We'll read down to verse 29. I know it's a pretty long section. I believe in you. You can do it, right? Here we go. Verse 14. Let's read together. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, It throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, 
take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, This kind can come out only by prayer. Let's pray. We'll wait for chaos. Lord, we love you. We're grateful that uh, you inspired Mark to write this down for us. And you got it down exactly right. And Lord, I'm praying that even right now you might continue like we've asked for six weeks and now the seventh week. Would you teach us to pray today? Illuminate brightly the truths and the principles that uh, we just read about. Lord, we believe that you have something to teach and challenge each and every one of us today from your book. Unleash your spirit in the midst of your church today. I want to pray for those who are hurting today. I want to pray specifically for the church family, those who uh, are right in the middle of one of life's awful storms. And Lord, today might your word encourage and bring hope and challenge and comfort. Lord, might we notice the people around us who are struggling. And, And might those who are struggling be willing to humble themselves. And seek out help and seek out encouragement and comfort and maybe even counsel today. Lord, you know what's going on in each and every one of our lives. So uh, would would you just do your stuff in all of our lives? Speak, Lord. Your church, we're, we're listening. And all the church family at Walloon said with one loud voice, be seated. Verse 14, Mark chapter 9, the teachers of the law, they were kind of the spies, if you will. They were the uh, spies sent from Jerusalem headquarters. Uh, Go keep an eye on this guy named Jesus. Uh, He's a troublemaker. Go find out what he's teaching. Go find out what he's doing. You go be our eyes and our ears. You be our spies. In Mark chapter 9, uh, verses 2 to 13, uh, Jesus, along with Peter, James, and John, have been up to the mountaintop. So they're just coming down from the mountaintop where Jesus was revealed in glory and power. And as they return from the mountaintop, here we go, Cliff. Clint, excuse me. Uh, Now they return to chaos. Uh, The left behind nine disciples are arguing with the teachers of the law. 
and they seem to be arguing with one another, and it's a chaotic scene, and it's ugly, and now they return, um, and uh, Jesus says, what's going on? What's, what's going on? And verses 17 and 18 explains, the argument was that a father brought a son to the disciples uh, because he can't speak. It's a mute spirit, is, is literally what it says. He, he can't speak, uh, and uh, this spirit keeps him from speaking, and it also throws him to the ground. He gnashes his teeth, his body becomes stiff and rigid. And many people today who are versed in medical fields say, well, he's got epilepsy. Well, it's more than epilepsy. We're going to see that in a few minutes. In a parallel passage, if you have your Bibles, you can turn back Matthew 17 and verse 15. Uh, Matthew actually uses stronger language about the son. So apparently the father said that he, uh, he has a mute spirit, but he also says, my son is a lunatic. Literally, the word translated means he, he's, he's a lunatic, uh, he's wild, he's crazy, he's ferocious, he's extreme. So you got the picture? <laughs> Again, it, it's the same incident written down by Matthew, written down by Mark. Uh, it also says, verse 22 of Mark chapter 9 and verse 15, Matthew 17 Uh, This spirit keeps throwing my son into fire. This spirit keeps throwing my son into the water. Why? It's trying to drown him. This spirit is trying to burn him up alive. It's trying to kill him. Understand what's going on? Uh, This father says my son is on the crazy cycle. He's a lunatic. He keeps doing the same things over and over again. He's not learning from his mistakes. This this demon, this spirit, has him by the throat, and he doesn't learn. He keeps doing the same things again and again. And Jesus, if if something doesn't happen soon, he's going to die. The Father, again, is all about Jesus. Help, Help my son. Chaos has exploded on this father's son, and he's willing to do anything he can to get back his son. He's willing to do anything he can to get his son free from this spirit, to get his son free from this demon, and get him thinking clearly again. That's the setting. That's what Jesus returns to. Now, verse 19, Jesus is frustrated. How long do I have to put up with this unbelieving generation. How long are you going to not believe? He's talking probably to the disciples, surely to the teachers of the law and the crowd, but but specifically he's aiming that at his 12 disciples. And then uh, verse 20, he says this, So they brought him, the son, to Jesus. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. This boy, this son, has been doing extreme stuff that's killing him. Uh, And literally, the father's saying something has to be done. Because if somebody doesn't step up and do something for my son, 
he's either going to drown or he's going to get burned up in the fire. It's obvious this is going to kill him. And Jesus looks at the boy's father and challenges him. Verse 23, he says, uh, uh, If you can, uh, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It's often thrown him into the fire. But if you can, do anything, Jesus. Take pity on us and, and help us. And Jesus jumps on that and says, what? If you can? <laughs> Everything is possible for the one who believes. And immediately the boy's father explained, I, I do believe. Please help me overcome my unbelief. I love this. It, it, it says, uh, in the hands and the plans of Jesus is everything that you and I need to live out the purposes and the plans Jesus has for us. This, this is not a free pass. Well, I can, I can do and get anything I want. No, this is a free pass through the power and authority of Jesus to accomplish everything that he has in mind for you and I to accomplish. That, that verse kind of gets twisted at times. So anything that the Lord has planned for us, it's never because of a lack of power or a lack of authority. That's never the problem for reasons not to get accomplished. Verse 24, the, uh, the father says, Lord, I believe, I believe, help me with my unbelief. I believe, but you're going to have to help me because there's still a part of me that's not really sure you're going to be able to help my son. Lots of people claim they could help my son, but so far, no one's helped. And I love the vulnerability displayed in the father's answer. Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Pause. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all written after the resurrection of Jesus. Did you know that? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, all written after the resurrection, like 30, 40, 50, 60 years after the resurrection of Jesus. So this was written, Mark, first one written, was written to the early church. Sometimes we forget, you mean this was actually had an audience? Yeah, Mark was written to the early church, the first century church, followers of Jesus who were living in 70, 80, 90, 100 A.D., okay? and down through the centuries to us, the church. So Mark is recorded here. It's not just a historical message. This isn't just recording history. It's actually a message for the church. You tracking with me? So this is a message, and I think the application is, a father brought his son to the church. And the church said, we'll try our best, and they tried their best, and they could do nothing to help the Father. They could do nothing to help alleviate the problems and the pain of the Son. So this man is in the middle of a crisis, and he was getting no help. But even though they didn't help, this is interesting, the Father says, I'm not leaving. Can you imagine? Somebody comes to church, help me with my problem, and, and we do our best, and we can't help, and they say... Um, I'm not leaving. Because I understand there's power, the power of Jesus here, and I'm going to stick around until the power of Jesus shows up. 
And sure enough, the power of Jesus shows up, right? Jesus comes back from the mountain, and there's power in the faith and the persistence and the refusal to quit or give up in a friend, in a father, in a spouse. There's a lesson here, y'all, okay? And some of us might be on the one, we need somebody not to quit, or you might be the one who's not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to wave the white flag. I'm going to hang in there. Any of you got somebody in your life, you don't have to raise your hand, who's acting wild and crazy? <laughs> any, any of you have a lunatic in your life? And I say that in the most loving way possible. Uh, here, here's what I mean. They, they're, acting, they're, they're not thinking clearly. You're afraid they might kill themselves. They're, they're doing the same things over and over and over again, and they're not learning the lessons of their foolish behavior. I love the Father. Let him be a model. Uh, he has faith. He has boldness. I'll do whatever it takes there is a picture of a persistent dad here. Got that attitude? He's persistent. I'm not giving up. He knew his son was only hanging on by a thread. Got it? Only hanging on. And, and if something doesn't change soon, it might be all over. You and I need people in our lives like the father. Do you have people around you who will love you like this father loved his son? And if you don't have people around you who will love you, I'll do whatever it takes. I'm here with you. We're going to walk through this together. Whatever it takes. Tell them Pastor Jeff says hello. Um, whatever it takes, you need people like that. Make that your prayer. Make that your priority. Lord, I need people who will come alongside me and they'll help me and, and they'll just stay there until we cry out to Jesus and the Lord's answer comes to our way. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then you need to be that person to some folks around you. That's what it means to be the church. You understand? That's, we're here together because when you hit those places where we're acting crazy, I need you to come walk beside me. And, I, and you need me to come walk beside you. That's what it means to be a family. That's what it means to be husband and wife. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. We're going to hang in there. We're going to walk through this. Now Jesus takes some decisive action. Verse 25. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit. He doesn't speak to epilepsy. He speaks to a being, a deaf and a mute spirit, a deaf and a mute demon. He said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. In the name of Jesus, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And this isn't in my notes, but I feel like, you know, we have power and authority in the name of Jesus and far too often, well, I don't want to appear a little, you know, a little too hyper, a little too wild, a little too crazy, and we stay silent when we should be speaking up, and we have the power and the authority of Jesus. And shame on us for those times we should speak up 
and command in the name and the power and the authority of Jesus. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and what happened? Came out. The boy looked like he was dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up to his feet, and he stood up. Say it again. The core of the issue here, it, it would look like us in our day and age. Oh, this boy has epilepsy. Well, he, he might, but that's just the, uh, the outward appearance. What was at the root? What was at the core? What was down deep? What was the trouble down under? The trouble was he had, he had a demon who was showing himself as uh, being a lunatic, as being a deaf and a mute person. Okay? So again, it, it was something that appeared physical, but underneath there was a spiritual root. Does that make sense? Jesus goes indoors. I think uh, he says, I, I, I want to say a few things. I know you have some questions, guys. So we're going to get some inside information about what just happened, and this is very helpful. Verse 28, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked Jesus privately, what in the world just happened? Hey, Jesus, why, why couldn't we drive out that demon from that boy? <laughs> uh, why were we powerless to heal that young man? I got a feeling some of them were a little ticked. You made us look like fools. You told us to go out there and do stuff like this. Then we did it, and look, we look like fools out there. Verse 29, the answer, Jesus replies, This kind or this type of demon can only come out by prayer or by prayer and fasting, if you will. What's that? Ephesians 6.12, you can look it up, write it down, tells us that Satan's demonic army has rankings. And I could go to Don and Martha and they would tell me what the rankings, you know, start with the generals and move all the way down to uh, the lowest level private, right? Rankings uh, are in Satan's armies. How do you know that? Well, it seems to imply there's rulers, there's authorities, there's powers, there's those in charge of spiritual forces. So go back to verse 29, Mark chapter 9. It seems that Jesus is explaining, you're not just dealing with a private or a sergeant in Satan's demonic army. Um, Boys, you are dealing with a high-ranking demon in Satan's army. You are tangling with a general. Uh, And you need to know when you're doing battle with one of Satan's high demons, when you're doing battle with Satan, you better be connected with me in prayer before you go into battle. You better be fully, vitally connected to me when you go and pick a fight with a general of Satan's demons. You, you boys went in and you were trying to fight in your own strength and in your own power. Are you tracking? You thought you could do it because you knew the right words. You had memorized things that you heard from me, but you forgot that the power and the authority comes from, here's what Jesus says, from me. Why did the disciples fail in their fight with the demon? Um, well, they expected the demon to exit because they had faith in the process. 
They had faith in their, we got this right formula down, and we know the right words to say, and we got this little prayer that we've memorized, and we're going through the right motions and following the very same rituals that we heard and we saw Jesus use, so surely that's going to get us victory because we're, we're saying the same words that we heard Jesus use when he battled demons. So specifically, what was the disciples' problem? Why were they defeated? Why were they prevented from helping rid this son of his tormenting demon? Ready? They were trying to do spiritual battle in their own power, in their own strength, in their own ingenuity, in their own resources. They were going through the motions. They were mouthing the right words. They were saying their spiritual abracadabras, alakazam, poof, now Jesus, surely you're going to make something powerful happen because we got the right words down. We said the right formula. We did it just like you told us, and, and we got it all down. Their faith was in the process. Their faith was in the rituals. Their faith was in following the right formula. Are you ready? But that's not faith in Jesus Christ. It's really easy for us to get the right words down. We've got the right formula. We got it all down. We know it by heart. And if we're not careful, our Christian walk turns into cold, sterile routine. And I I just, I say these words, and I do this, and I sing this song, and I read this devotion, and before I eat, come Lord Jesus, be my guest. Bless this food to us, be blessed. Amen. Wow, what are we eating? Um, It's more of a, I don't want to choke, alakazam. I, I want to look religious, abracadabra, little or no alive connection with Christ. I'm telling you, if we're not careful, this happens to us very quickly. The hardest verse in the Bible for me to believe, and I suspect the hardest verse in the Bible for most of us here today, is John 15, 5, the last part. Here's what it says. Apart from me, Jesus says, you and I can do how much? About a third of you know the answer. So we're going to try that one again. Um, The hardest verse in all of the Bible for most of us to believe is when Jesus says, apart from me, you and I, we can do how much? Hold it up. Zip. Nada. Not a thing. (laughs) And, And you just think about that, and you say, well, I've lived large sections of my life without Jesus. Yep, and, and what do you have to show for it? Hold it up. <laughs> That's what I have to show for it. Nothing that lasts, nothing that matters, nothing that's going to stand the test of time. The disciples were attempting to do ministry in their own power, their own strength, their own resources. They were using pious religious words, verbiage. Seems likely that when Jesus went up on the mountaintop, with Peter, James, and John, they took a little vacation from Jesus. <laughs> and then when this father brought the son, um, let's use the right words, let's use the right formula, 
This is how we've seen and heard Jesus do it. We're going we're to follow his formula. And they tried the exact formula, and it didn't work. No power from Christ. They weren't connected to the vine. I'd like to show you uh, what it's like when you and I don't take time to get plugged in. When we don't take the time, make the effort to make getting connected to Christ through prayer our top priority. Did anybody notice the vacuum over here? Because I had about four people say, uh, did you want me to take that vacuum somewhere? Because I, I, I think you left it. No, no, I said, please leave it there. Because, no, we, we really didn't do that by accident. But anyway, um, I want to show you. wish I knew how to make this thing go. Okay. We'll just keep it upright. Handle release. Yeah, you can tell I do this all the time. Yeah. Okay. Okay, here we go. And I'm just working hard, you can tell. Okay? You guys want to make a motor noise with me? And I'm telling you, uh, I'm just doing a wonderful job, aren't I, right now? Um, and I'm, I'm, there's, there's activity here, right? Would you, would you not agree there's activity? Yeah, yeah. So that I can tell our custodian... Uh, Lynn Groff, hey Lynn, don't worry about the stage, I got it. I got it. Problem with, with what I just did? Go ahead, tell me what, what's my problem. Uh, you weren't plugged in. <laughs> there's no grime, there's no dirt, there's no foofies that have been removed. You, you, just, you just move the vacuum around. Can, can I suggest to you that that's... What a lot of us are all about in life, we're, we're just, we're moving, there's activity, uh, but, but there's nothing that's happening, we're not making a, an eternal difference, nothing that's going to last. Okay, now, what needs to happen? You can see I carefully planned this out. Uh, we need to what? Plug in to the power of Jesus. Not going to happen. And suddenly now, I just got a foofy. I just saw it go up. And suddenly now, you're actually going to make a difference when you get plugged in to the power source. Look at the slide. <laughs> You've got to plug in to the power of prayer. If you don't plug in first, then all of your activity, all of your religiosity, all the right words, all the, the effort you're putting forth is going to add up to this. Zero. Zip. Not. Plug in. Get on your face. Get real. Get honest. Uh, put your armor on, Ephesians 6, abide with Jesus, stay connected, um, get on your face and get real with Jesus, and then get busy. Here's the problem. You take a vacation from Jesus, even just a short little vacation. You understand what I'm saying? Take a day off. Jesus, I'm a, I'm a little tired. 
And I don't think I'm going to read your Bible today because I think I'm a little too tired to enjoy reading and I'm uh, too busy to pray and cry out and I'm too distracted to put your armor on and I'm too overwhelmed to do the U-turn and run to the cross and confess and get clean. What will the result be? You ready? (laughs) Short time, we are weak and we are ineffective Life grows ugly, we are fleshly, we are vulnerable, fear starts to take over, anxiety, impatience starts to grow, and suddenly the relationships around you get ugly and strained. Can I get an amen? You understand, some of you had that this week. Well, what happened? I can tell you what happened. You didn't get plugged into the power source. Until we learn that that's the most important thing the power and the joy of Jesus in their life gets drained away and it's gone. Why did the disciples fail so miserably in Mark chapter 9? Why do you and I fail so miserably so often in our lives? Ready? It's not really that complicated. We didn't make our top priority to get ourselves in a daily, fresh, vital connection with Jesus Christ. And I just want you to know that starts daily in prayer. It begins crying out to the Lord. Then it gets strengthened by the Word. they, They go together, but it starts on your knees. It starts when you cry out to the Lord. And every time we fail and fall and blow it. Are you ready? I'm going to help you out right here. You can take a note. Why did I fail and fall? Okay, either you didn't get connected to Jesus to start with, Or you got connected, and at some point, you pulled the plug. You see the problem? It doesn't take much. (laughs) The plug gets pulled, and then you got to go back and get reconnected. But either you didn't take the time to get connected, or through busy and hectic, or maybe you just didn't even care, and, and you didn't go get reconnected. I can't say enough to you about the power of prayer. If you want to put the pop of Jesus and his power in your life, maybe that's what some of you need. You need a little thing. What, what, what do I need? You need some pop. I'm not talking about Diet Coke. I'm not talking about the Mountain Dew. What are we talking about? I'm talking about the power of prayer. I'm talking about the power that we get when we connect with Jesus in prayer. Could the reason that prayer is kind of boring and lifeless and lacking uh, in most of our lives... It's because we're not taking the time to get plugged in. Could, could the reason we're not seeing more powerful, effective answers to prayer is because far too often our prayers, they're just kind of routine, and I'm just saying the right words. And, and I've learned, I say this, this prayer at this time, and I go through... This formula here, and we've memorized these religious words, and we forgot. No, no, it's, it's really about a vital, daily, fresh connection to Jesus Christ. That's where power comes from. How you been doing recently? Staying connected? Staying fresh? Staying vital? Or, or, or has there been some pretty ugly, strained relationships around you? 
That's really, you'll, you'll see it when there's ugly, strained stuff going on around people around you and, and you're kind of the key there. Yep, forgot to go get plugged in. This has to be the priority. Somehow, some way, Lord, help this to be the daily priority. If nothing else happens, this needs to happen today. Let's pray. Just pause for a moment. Say, Lord, how does this relate to me? <laughs> how does this apply to, to my life and what's going on in and around my circle of influence, the people that I rub shoulders with? Speak. I'm listening. So how much power are you seeing in your life? Are are you regularly seeing the power and the fruit of Jesus and his spirit flowing around you and through you? Is it possible that uh, you've been drifting and going through the motions? Yeah, you're still doing your religious routine, but little or no genuine daily connection with Christ. And Satan's, I think, his greatest weapon today is to get us so busy and so scheduled, running to and fro so much, our lives are just hot messes. And yeah, you said yes to Jesus, you believe, and he saved you. But understand this, the secret to the Christian life is daily. It's not something you did 30, 40, 10, 5 years ago. It's what happens with you and Jesus today to stay connected. To do the U-turn and run to the cross and confess sin. To daily surrender and yield and invite him to rule, to... uh, drink deeply from his spirit and that's going to be our study this fall perhaps some of you need to say Jesus help me to adjust my priorities my schedule somehow some way Lord help me to realize that the one thing that I have to always daily find time for is you Perhaps you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus. The power we're speaking about here today, great news is available to you. Maybe you'd say, you know what, I'm kind of like that son. It feels like uh, someone's got me by the throat and I'm kind of acting like a lunatic a lot of the time. Jesus is still in the business of freeing men and women who Satan has by the throat. Did you know that? And his presence and his power can come into your life today. 
And if you're here today and you're more like that son than you care to admit, great news, Jesus took on human flesh, lived a sinless life so that he alone qualified to be the perfect sinless Lamb of God. Jesus shed his blood to deal with yours and my greatest problem, we're sinners. Jesus took our place in the tomb And early on Sunday morning, Jesus arose from the dead, literally, bodily, physically. And here's the great news. When he came up out of that tomb, he defeated sin and Satan and death, and he did that for everybody seated here today. Is that not amazing news? And right where you're seated, your responsibility is is to say, yes, Jesus, I believe. I, I believe You took my place. I I believe you shed your blood for me and my sin problem. Jesus, I believe you went into that grave for me. Jesus, I believe you're alive and you're ready to take control of my life. So I yield. I surrender. Thank you, Lord, for your book. It's powerful. It's alive. Prayer chapel will be open. Uh, as we close this service. And if you need someone to pray about, uh, maybe you're like that son and you want someone to pray with you, maybe you have somebody in your life who's like that son. They'd love to pray with you. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us as your church to gather together and worship you in song, worship you in giving, and worship you as we study your book. Love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things.